Welcome to a Yin Yoga podcast. I'm your host, Nick Denu, certified yoga therapist, mentor of yoga teachers, Yin Yoga teacher trainer, and total Yin Yoga geek. If you have a crush on Yin Yoga and are ready to dive deep, then you're in the right place. Here, myself and my guests will discuss all things Yin Yoga, including anatomy, philosophy, traditional Chinese medicine, meditation, Taoism, teaching tips, and so much more. You can expect these conversations to be long format, informal, lo-fi, and delightfully imperfect. So whether you are a yoga teacher or a yin yoga student, I welcome you to the inside. Hi, Yinnies. Welcome back. If we haven't met before, my name is Nick Danu. Welcome to a Yin Yoga podcast. Just a quick reminder before we head into today's um, episode is that these are adults having adult conversations, which could include difficult subject matter, but also your host, myself, has the soul of a mermaid and the mouth of a sailor. And so you can expect some adult language. So if you have small people around, grab some headphones now. And if you are easily offended by colorful language, this probably isn't a fit for you. Okay, let's dive into today's episode. So today I wanted to talk a little bit more in depth on an article that I wrote actually a while back for Elephant Journal, and I will link the article in the show notes. And the article was inspired by an incident that happened when I was coming into a yoga studio that I teach at. The article is called Yin Yoga is Totally Hardcore, by the way. And the inspiration for this was one night I was walking into a yoga studio that I teach at, and there was a just an, a little interaction, you could say, with one of the students from the previous classes that inspired this article. We'll get more into it. So as I was entering the studio to set up for my yin class, the previous class was sort of one of those hot, kind of sweaty, you know, styles of class. And there was a young, really strong kind of Ken doll looking guy who was in the previous class and said to me, oh, what class is up next? And I could tell by the look on his face and the inquiry that he actually wanted to double up and attend two classes in a row. And when I answered him yin yoga, he said, and I quote, fuck that, that shit scares me. I'll take a handstand workshop over a yin class any day. And that's when I realized that yin yoga is totally hardcore. So oftentimes Yin yoga is mistaken both by kind of the general public and even by some studio owners as like a, and for those of you who can't see me on the podcast, I'm doing air quotes, gentle form of yoga or an easy form of yoga or air quotes. And if you define gentle as um, you're not going to break a sweat, you're not going to stand around on one foot, you're not going to do inversions. 
you're not going to strengthen your core or improve your balance, or at least not your physical balance, then yes, that's an accurate description. But I certainly would not say that yin yoga is easy. I also think that sometimes people confuse yin yoga with restorative yoga. They see the teacher setting up some props and they assume, oh, okay, we're just going to like lay around and relax. But anyone who's done a yin yoga class, especially in the beginning, knows that that feeling of relaxation in a yin class, that's a bit of an acquired taste. It does not happen right away. And then you also will often hear people say, other teachers say that yin yoga is not good for beginners. And I actually disagree. You see, I think whether you're an experienced student of yoga or a beginner does not define whether or not you're ready for a yin yoga practice. What I mean by that is there are students that come to yoga specifically for some of the meditative aspects. They want to relax. They want time to themselves. And then there are students that come to yoga for it, and more air quotes here, a workout. And so those students could both be beginners. So when people say that yin yoga is not an appropriate practice for beginners, I have to disagree. However, it is a challenging class. It's a very challenging class, but the reason that a yin class is challenging is quite different than how a yang or a more active or movement-based class would be challenging. The challenge is more internal. It comes from what's happening on the inside of you. So if you think sitting still for minutes at a time and watching your mind is easy, then I guess you could say yin is an easy practice. You see, while more dynamic or movement-based classes are an outside-to-in practice, yin yoga is an inside-to-out practice. A couple of yin's nicknames are the quiet yoga and the meditative yoga. And I often will see the the shock and the horror in the eyes of a new yin yoga student when they hear or they realize that they will be sitting still while feeling sensations in their body for minutes at a time. That they will be witnessing the list of things that will be going on in their mind while trying to do a yoga practice. So when a student realizes that fairly quickly, at least if a yin class is taught well, the teacher is going to allow a lot of space between their words. There's going to be time for the student to sort of drop inward, to be still, and to be quiet. Now, this can be really hard, especially for those students who may consciously or unconsciously use the teacher's words as the anchor for their mind. So they take a mind that's normally really busy and chaotic. And then when they come to yoga, they just focus on every word the teacher says, and they use that as their anchor. I'm certainly not knocking that. That is already helpful. That's how I first took my first Hatha yoga practice 
and realize that I had an anxious mind was because for that 90 minutes, I only listened to what the teacher was saying and then tried to, you know, bring those directions into my body and do what it was she was saying. So it is a very useful tool for pulling your mind out of some of the minutiae. Not perfect, of course, nothing is, but it is a useful tool. But it is still a crutch because you are relying on something external from you, out of you, to rest your mind on. Whereas Yin has a bit of a different approach. So because Yin's nicknames are the quiet yoga, the meditative yoga, this can be the challenge because when you realize that you're going to be sitting and feeling sensations for minutes at a time and witnessing that, and that the teacher's going to either talk less frequently or not at all in spaces, then what can come up if you are a real human being is the list writing, the planning, the thinking, the analyzing, the ruminating, the obsessing, the criticizing, the judging, the storytelling, the itching, the bitching, and the twitching, all the things in your mind, and sometimes all of those in one class. The first thing I want to note about that is that that's normal. So when I first decided to start taking meditation classes, I was a newly budding teacher and I was feeling like a bit of a fraud because although I had an asana practice that I was doing regularly on my own, as well as attending classes, I wasn't meditating and I had studied the eight limbs of Patanjali enough to notice that somewhere on there was like concentration and meditation techniques. And I, like many, were not doing those. So I decided it's time. I will go and learn meditation classes. So I, you know, went what you used to do back then. <clears throat> went on the, the internet was there, but it was still pretty um, rare. I went on to the internet and searched out, you know, meditation classes in my city. And then just kind of started going through the list. And most of them were done at Buddhist temples or through Buddhist groups. And it's probably still typically the way it is in most cities. And so I found one and I signed up for the class and I, I went. And these were not just drop in. Most of them were like a registered four week, six week, eight week beginner meditation course. So I would sign up and I would go and, you know, I would sit, close my eyes. I would bring my hands into some kind of mudra. I'd sit up nice and tall and I would start to do my focus and then Bammo, the mind was off. Thinking, planning, list writing, analyzing, obsessing, ruminating, judging my experience, a freaking circus in my head. And I would think, oh, okay, I'm not doing this right. Like, I'm not doing this right. I'm not good at this. Now, some people would give up there, but I'm tenacious. And so what I did instead was, I was like, okay, well, this style of meditation isn't air quotes working for me. So I'll find a different one. And so I would go sign up for a different course in a different temple. And to be honest, some of these temples, the language barrier alone made it so hard because they weren't actually even giving you instructions. Like I remember going to one uh, Chinese temple and they split the men and the women from each other. And you had to sit with your backs facing each other and just stare at a wall. Meanwhile, they had this incredible altar, but you turned your turned sideways and just sat and they didn't give you any instructions on what to do other than just sit here. So, you know, I went through several, probably, I don't know, four or six different locations, different temples, trying to find 
a meditation class. And then the last temple I went to, and it was the last one because this gentleman ended up being my teacher for many years afterwards. I'm sitting in the class and it's the second class and I've committed. I'm going to be here for all eight weeks. I'm like, I got to figure out how to do this. Other people can do this. I can do it too. And the teacher said, if when you sit and you start your practice, you find that the mind is thinking and writing lists and restless that's normal. That's human. That's a normal human part of our experience. And I was like, what the fuck? How come nobody told me this? I actually thought that I was the only one with the circus going on in my head. Do, 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 that everybody else was sitting there cross-legged with their mudra and their beautiful posture and they were comfortable physically and they just sat and focused on their breath. And then they got up and bam, they were done. I had no idea that we were all secretly, quietly suffering in the room. So the reason that I bring this up is because if you're listening to this and you are a teacher, this is why I suggest that you address this in your class at the beginning, especially if there's new people. So I remember teaching in a teacher training at a yoga therapy college that I used to teach at. And one of the participants coming up to me afterwards and saying, oh, thank you so much. I thought I hated yin yoga. And I said, what? And she said, I only went to one class and the teacher just got quiet and she didn't tell us anything. And I was just in these poses for minutes at a time and my, my mind wouldn't stop and I was like having emotional releases and I was crying and like all of this was happening and I didn't know what to do. And I just thought, oh, I hate yin yoga. So if you're a yoga student out there and that's happened to you, I'm very sorry that nobody gave you any guidance on this. And if you're a yoga teacher listening, here's a lesson. Mention the mind, the role of the mind and emotions at the beginning of class. It doesn't need to be in a super heavy way or really intellectual, just like, hey, guess what? Our minds are busy. This is normal. It's going to think. This is what happens. So because that teacher finally told me, oh, this is what happens in meditation. Your mind is going to think and plan and blah, blah, blah. He even said, we are not trying to stop thinking in this practice. We're just putting brackets around our thoughts. Like imagine your thoughts in a sentence, put little brackets around them and kind of slide them over to the side and then redirect our awareness to whatever the anchor is. So here's the thing. It sits to sit still and observe your mind takes courage. This is not easy to do. And not everyone's ready for the challenge. And again, this doesn't have anything to do with whether or not you're a beginner. Some beginners are ready for this. Other people have been practicing for years and are not. Ultimately, ultimately, what it comes down to here is, are you ready to take your time on the mat and let it be about something other than just sweating, chaturanga, and your beach body? If you are, then a yin practice might suit, for, might suit you. So here are some questions to consider that you maybe never considered. And these are great questions for teachers so that you can address these in your classes. Are you ready to look at your shit? 
Are you ready to learn to witness and observe your thought loops? Are you ready to improve your concentration, your mental resilience? Are you ready to have the time you spend on your yoga mat be an opportunity to learn how to respond in life instead of react in tough situations? So people that can answer, yes, I'm ready for that, or I'm at least open to it, will find that they have a much uh, more enjoyable time in a yin class. So how I address this as a teacher when students come in, and I'll just go over this because I know there's going to be teachers listening, is that first of all, once we're in our first position, which is a bit, I'd get everyone in constructive rest and we do a bit of a guided centering, a grounding. This is for drop-in classes. At classes that I run myself are all registered so I know if people are new or not. But if it's a drop-in class, I just simply ask the group, if you are brand new to the practice of yin yoga, so if you've never, ever, ever done even one yin yoga class before, please put one hand on your belly. And if you have done yin before, even if it's just one class, let your hands rest at your sides. And that gives me the ability to look around the room and to see who has a hand on their belly. If there's no one in the room with one hand on their belly, so signifying that they're new to yin, I'll usually repeat it and I'll say, so just to make sure I have this clear, there's nobody in the room that hasn't done yin before. If I got that wrong, just stick your hand up and twinkle your fingers. Now, why do I do it this way? Well, I do it this way because then no one can see anyone else's answers. Because it's really hard for someone who's new to yoga to get up the courage to go to a yoga studio and to be in that yoga studio. And then to have to admit out loud that like, actually, they're totally new to this practice in a group of people can be a lot, especially for an introvert. So I like to do this check-in in a way that only I notice it. And then how much talking I'm going to do in the practice depends on what I see. So for example, if I see that there are several people that are new to yin yoga, I'm going to give them the new to yin yoga speech at the beginning of class. And if you're like, what the heck is the new to yin yoga speech? I will share it with you in brief. So the first point is I just give them the practice guidelines. I just tell them, hey, a yin practice is different than a more movement form of practice. And it can be easier to kind of wrap our heads around this practice and actually do it if we kind of know what to expect. So here's some things that might be different for you. Number one, you're going to take the shape. You're going to find 50 to 60%. So in this practice, we're not trying to push or strive or get on the cover of yoga journal. We're intentionally backing away from that really strong sensation into just finding kind of that 50 to 60%. And that 50 to 60% is a line in the sand. It may move partway through practice as your body shifts and changes. So always feel free to adapt the pose as you need to. And then I say, okay, you've taken the shape. Well done. 
Now we're going to become relatively still. And the stillness is relative because you might have to get more comfortable, grab a prop, adjust yourself, et cetera, et cetera. But we note the difference between fidgeting and adjusting our body. Third thing, we'll be holding our shapes. And I generally, and this number can change depending on the group you're working with or whether it's your own practice. But I generally say I'm going to hold these poses anywhere from sort of two and a half to five minutes at a time. These long holds, the stillness and the moderation of this practice allow you to access different tissues of your body than you would in a more movement-based practice. And so if when you come out of this shape or the next one or the next one, you feel the urge to sort of moan and groan and move slowly and mindfully, if you feel sort of temporarily vulnerable or fragile, that's actually a sign of a job well done. And so then I tell them, we're just going to do that. We're going to move really slowly, mindfully with some awareness. We're going to take our time. And we're going to take these little pauses. If it's an asymmetrical pose, we'll take a brief pause between one side and the next as an opportunity to adjust and also to observe how does the body feel, left versus right or right versus left. If it's a longer held pose, we'll take a longer rest. And I just let them know that that is actually part of the practice, that these little opportunities to notice the resonance or the linger of the pose in your body are part of the yin practice. And I'll often point out, you might notice a difference from left to right, or you might just notice the urge to hurry up and do the other side, which usually gets a laugh and is pretty accurate. And then we'll rest for a moment or two, or maybe a minute, if it's a longer held pose, and then we'll go into our next shape. So I go over those steps in detail. And then I talk about the mind. One thing that you'll notice typically, if you're a real human in this practice, is that when I stop talking so much, which I will do, your mind is going to go into the thinking, planning, list writing, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I tell them what can possibly happen with their mind. I also tell them that's totally normal. They're not alone. Their brain isn't especially squirrely. They're not the only one in the room who air quotes can't meditate because they have a busy brain that like, this is actually a human condition that everybody has these tendencies. Something I wish somebody would have told me, you know, maybe after the third registered meditation series that I took instead of the last one. Because I thought that everybody else got it already and that I was lagging behind and I didn't understand how to like still my mind, right? How much slack I might've cut myself had I known, oh, this is part of the process. This is normal. So I tell them that. And then I give them some suggestions on ways they can anchor their mind. And I'll probably save that for a future episode on the mind in yin and some possible ways that you could anchor the mind. And if you're a teacher, I would highly suggest that you recommend a couple ways they could anchor their mind. I've been in a yoga practice many times and heard some bouncy, bubbly yoga teacher say, and when your mind gets busy, just come back to being present and thinking, what the fuck? If I knew how to just be present, I wouldn't be here right now. I wouldn't be in this class. So please, teachers, give them some, some ideas and invitations, of course, to explore their own ideas, but give them something, some sort of a tool to anchor their mind. 
a gentle, consistent thing that they can go back to again and again. And the other thing that I think is worth mentioning here is that for students, typically, they're going to be really hard on themselves. And so, yes, we want to focus the mind. We want to refocus the mind again and again when we find that it wanders away. But can we do so with sort of a soft touch? And I encourage my students to be gentle and compassionate with themselves and still dedicated enough to return. So you can expect the mind to wander. This is normal. This is human. Everybody has this experience. We all have slightly different subject matter, but we're all busy brains. When you notice it, don't be critical of yourself. Don't beat yourself up. I know from experience, I've tried that. It doesn't work. Instead, just gently, when you notice your thinking, release the thoughts and come back to your anchor. So especially for those like myself that have studied Buddhism, and even more so for those of you who've studied it abroad, there can be sort of a rigidness or a almost a harshness to how we deal with the mind that I just don't think is helpful, especially for new students. And by new, I don't mean new in general, but just like if they're new to yin, they're already so hard on themselves. So I like to go for the middle way, right? We're not just going to lay here on our mat and daydream and think and plan and make lists and just let our mind run amok with us because let's face it, we're all really good at that already, right? We're all really good at that. We've mastered it. Nor am I going to be so harsh and critical with myself that when the mind wanders away, I'm going to beat myself up and lecture myself and be harsh or critical. I want to find what the Buddha would have called the middle way there. So yes, oh, there goes the mind. It's on my grocery list or it's going into anxious or it's wherever it's going. Pause, return to your anchor gently. And of course, an anchor is just one way to practice. There are states of mind or meditation states that where we let go of the anchor, but that's future talk. Most people that are coming to your average drop-in yoga class are not there. So having something consistent and gentle to anchor their mind on. And again, I'll probably visit those in a different episode, but you know, there's so many simple meditation techniques that you can give them, just very simple things. And if you're a teacher and you don't know some of those, that is an opportunity for some study, some more training. So this is why yin yoga is totally hardcore. It takes a lot of courage in our busy, rushed, overly young, fast-paced, keeping up with the Joneses, compete, strive, more, more, more society to just sit and be still and look at your shit and notice all of the thought loops that keep coming up repeatedly. And for many of us, it's the first time that we're aware Oh my God, my mind thinks all the time. This is madness in here. So that takes courage. And it's worth it. Because you will improve your concentration and your me mental resilience. 
And I know for myself, both my meditation practice, but more so I would say actually my yin yoga practice has taught me to learn how to respond in tough situations rather than react. What I mean by that is when I can sit on my cushion or in my yoga poses and I can observe, so the bigger I or the witness or whoever you want to call that, I can observe myself thinking. Then I start to learn that I am not those thoughts. I'm having those thoughts. And I can re- when I can realize this on the cushion or on the yoga mat, then slowly that starts to have a trickle effect outside of your yoga practice. So that when you are affronted with somebody who's rude in the grocery lineup or in traffic or whatever it is, like these small daily annoyances, we're more able now to notice the thinking and the storytelling of our mind. Our mind's probably telling us all kinds of story about that person and how inconsiderate they are and blah, 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 blah. Because we get used to witnessing our mind, we're able to pull back in real life situations and go, ah, there it is again. There it is again. And then we're able to respond instead of react. So you're much more likely to be snappish and rude and impatient and irritated and frustrated with the world around you when you can witness your thoughts. And then this leads us to being more patient and loving and kind to those we love, to our community, to the world around me. So this has probably been the biggest benefit of my yin yoga practice. Sure, my hamstrings have gotten more open and it's given me a wonderful um, release for my body, especially from somebody who's been chronically tight most of her life. Yes, that's there. Yes, I'm able to drop into my parasympathetic nervous system and take some rest. Yes, that is there. But most importantly, my question to you is, are you ready to have your time on your yoga mat be an opportunity to learn how to respond in tough situations instead of react? And if you just answered, yes, I'm open to that. I'm curious about that. Then you, my friend, are hardcore. Okay. So that's all I want to say on that for now. I would love to hear back from you. You can leave me some comments below wherever you're watching or listening this to let me know if you have experienced this drama with the mind in yin yoga and how that went for you and what you have found helpful. I'd love to hear from both students and teachers on this. And until next time, bye for now.
for those of you who stick around until the very end. Thank you. If you love this podcast, I'd be grateful if you gave it a review. It really helps other yin yoga lovers find it. If you've already given a review, would you consider sharing a screenshot in your Instagram stories? And don't forget to tag me at NickDanuYoga or at Yin Yoga Podcast so I can share the love. Before I sign off, some gratitude. First, for you, the listener, for spending time with me today. Big gratitude and deep reverence for my teacher, Paul Grilly. Thank you to Fred Westra for the hang drunk samples. You can hear more of his music by clicking the link in the show notes. A big thank you to my beloved for mixing the intro and outro tracks. And until we meet again, may you be well. May you be content. May you be at peace. May you be free. <laughs>